The views and opinions we express in this podcast are our own and do not represent the official position of the Youth in Government Program or the YMCA. Welcome to Yag and Recreation, a podcast on which my brother and I get together and talk about Yag and recreation. Every week or so, we'll pick a topic and spend some time talking about various aspects of YAG using that topic as a guide. Our hope is that you, our listeners, enjoy pondering the intricacies of YAG with us, and if you're a current advisor or delegate, that you might get some ideas to take back to your own delegation. The topic this week is another of the core values, responsibility. Yeah, it's a good one. I'm excited. Um, I would like to call this podcast to order. We'll begin, as we like to do, with an invocation. Mm, Responsibility can sometimes seem like the most ho-hum of our core values because it can be reduced to kind of like a chore list, ensuring that we're doing the things we're supposed to do, like turning in paperwork on time or being prepared. But there's obviously so much more to it. So I want to talk about Greta Thunberg, a young Mm. activist from Sweden Mm -hmm. who's very passionate about fighting climate change. Yeah. She's led school strikes that many students around the world have joined in to call for politicians to take action on the climate. She's committed herself to doing her part to reduce carbon emissions by adopting a vegan diet, upcycling, and not traveling on airplanes. So in September of 2019, when she traveled to the United States to attend the UN Climate Action Summit, she came on a boat across the Atlantic. While here, she spoke to members of Congress about climate change and joined protesters outside the White House. A reporter from NPR spoke to her, asking how important she thought the U.S. was in combating climate change. She replied, incredibly important. You are such a big country. In Sweden, we say when we demand politicians to do something, they say it doesn't matter what we do, because just look at the U.S. So I think you have an enormous responsibility in leading this role, and I think you have a moral responsibility to do that. In calling attention to the idea that people in power or organizations or countries have a responsibility to do what is right, healthy, safe, and fair for people with less power than they have, we can kind of get this idea that it isn't necessarily our problem to fix if we aren't the biggest player in it. But I think with her lifestyle that Greta demonstrates that everyone can take small actions that can be assembled with other people's contributions to turn into solutions to the bigger problems. Additionally, We can all model responsibility by speaking up when we see problems, calling attention to what's affecting us and our neighbors, and supporting others who speak up. I hope we can all challenge ourselves to take that personal responsibility when we see opportunities to improve situations around us, and also to speak up when we notice a problem and challenge our leaders to make those bigger changes when they're needed. That's great. Yeah, Greta is such a, she's such a cool person, isn't she? I mean, she's a fascinating person. I think so. Yeah, I'm, I'm... I find her, I find her really um, just mesmerizing to listen to. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really interesting. Um, All of the things, all of the choices that she's made and what drives her and Mm -hmm. the sacrifices that she's convinced her parents to also take up, which is really interesting when you get deeper into it. Yeah. And I think like, I would love to dig into that more. Not on this podcast, but just in my life, <laughs> that balance between um, d- sort of aiming the spotlight at myself and thinking about my own responsibility versus looking out at the world at like 
I mean, for example, with climate change, like corporate responsibility, like that is a really interesting sort of balancing act for for engaged citizens, which is who you think government wants people to be. So, yeah, yeah, because I mean, you can't just be like, hey, there's a problem. But also, like, if you only ever take your own steps, nothing will happen if you don't get other people involved. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's a this is a it's a cool, tricky, challenging problem to think about. So thank you. All right. Well, we'll move on to old business. Yes. Um, we like to take this opportunity to offer clarification for things from previous episodes. So, uh, James, do you have anything for old business? Yeah, I do. Our um, program consultant, um, the incomparably gifted Tanum Fotheringill, um, listened to episode one and uh, offered us some feedback, which is really great. Um, a I used a quote from Thomas Reed in talking about the role of the presiding officer. And Thomas Reed, writing in the late 19th century, used um, male pronouns to describe a good uh, presiding officer. Like he was clearly talking about, in his mind, just a man. And I said, like, oh, well, we, you know, we shouldn't pay attention to that or something. I used a sort of dismissive phrase um, because I, because I think Reed's obviously wrong. But Tanen's comment, which I think is a really good one, is. We can't just take for granted that everyone gets <laughs> that this is an important change for us to make. Uh, someday I hope we do gender as a theme for an episode of this, because I would love to talk about um, gender in the context of youth and government. It'd be a tricky episode, I think, but a really, a really good one. Um, yeah. But uh, I think Tanum's note, and I'm in complete agreement with her, just to note that one of the wonderful things about youth and government is is our commitment to the principle that leadership is open to someone of any gender or of no gender. Um, and that um, we don't believe that not just our program, but our society is made stronger by the fact that we embrace diversity in these roles. And so Reed's not just sort of fusty and old fashioned. He's just wrong. He doesn't know what a good presiding officer is there because he's limiting himself too much. And so it's it's important for us to like call that out and to, and to think and talk about it. And so I'm, I'm glad we got that note and it's uh, it's my piece of old business this week. All right. Well, thank you, James. Yeah. And thank you, Tanum. Yeah. Um, good job. Um, I, in listening back to our episode last time, episode two, uh, realized I misspoke when covering the eligibility requirements for assistant editors, I said they could be in 11th or 12th grade, but they can also be in 10th grade. Mm, okay. No, that's um, a good one. So I was wrong about that. I, I wasn't wrong. I just said it wrong. Mm -hmm. It was in my notes, right? <laughs> but um, it makes me wonder, uh, James, what, what were you wrong about last week? Because you say you're always wrong about something. You are correct. Yes. I realized in retrospect that I forgot to be wrong about something last week. And um, that in and of itself uh, was wrong. So uh, on a meta level, I think I fulfilled my episode obligation, but I'll be on the lookout this week to make sure I'm wrong about something this week. Thank you for the reminder. Will you plant something that is definitely wrong just so that you can be wrong? I mean, anything's possible. That's part of the fun of making a podcast. So yeah, yeah, let's okay. find out. Well, well, we'll move on to new business and an opportunity for you to get something wrong. Mm -hmm. um, it is that time when we allow James to dive deeply into a topic of his choosing as it pertains to our subject, which today is responsibility. So I will give James five uninterrupted minutes to give us an idea of what lurks inside his brain. <laughs> and then we'll move on. <laughs> as we should. Uh, thank you. So re responsibility is um, 
it's a great um, big topic. And uh, there's a part of me that would love to talk about like how to instill uh, responsible impulses in our delegates or something like that. Um, and there's, there's a lot there that maybe we could come back to sometime. Um, but where my mind happened to go in prepping for this episode was to think about the challenge we face as a youth legislature because um, our delegates and specifically our voting delegates, like the people who end up acting as members of the House or Senate or of the, um, the O'Brien House and Sherberg Senate, those delegates aren't responsible to voters in the way a real legislator would be, um, which is a really freeing thing, right? When they go to speak or to cast a vote, they don't have to think about, you know, their constituents back home who might expect them to act a certain way. Um, I think that's as it should be in a lot of ways. It's a good thing for youth in government. But I think it also can have the effect of making us um, sort of overlook how hard it is to find really good common ground or to reach the right kind of policy decisions. Just because every, if everybody in the room can get along with each other, then even if some people outside that room might feel differently, we don't have to worry about it. Because again, they don't have to face voters to keep their seats in the chamber the way that actual state legislators do. Um, and so there have been some measures over the years to try and steer us towards more responsibility um, in different roles in youth and government, to try and make us feel like we're responsible to some sort of external um, control. Um, I think maybe most notably, um, multiple attempts have been made to try and try and create a working budget system for youth and government. Um, which I think the idea was to nudge our students into more responsibility. It's easy to just vote for all sorts of programs that would cost a lot of money. In the real world, you have to be responsible with the state budget and you have to make difficult decisions. Um, and it would be interesting, I think, if that was um, a kind of responsibility our students could learn about, that sort of civic responsibility that representatives have. Um, so far, every attempt has been a, a giant failure. <laughs> um, and I say that, you know, I think all of us feel some humility. We all tried to make these different things work when we tried to make them work. It just didn't work. Um, but I don't think it should stop us from speculating about how we might try again. Um, what it brings me back to, though, for our students is um, I, I certainly wouldn't want us to teach our students that their job is to go to youth ledge and represent how their city or district votes normally in the state legislature based on whatever their parents or adults in their community want. I don't think that's, I don't think that would be healthy for our students. I don't think it would be a good experience, but I do think it would be great if as a delegate, as delegations, we talked more about what is our community's role in the state of Washington? What do we know about that other people don't? What matters to our part of the state or to our part of this city or neighborhood? Um, that would be distinctive. Um, if democratic decision-making um, requires representatives who are responsible to constituents, um, then why don't we talk about what it would be like to represent our community and what it would be like to feel responsible to them for the things we say. Um, I think that that would be a really healthy conversation. If, again, we don't use it as a way of limiting and clamping down on our student delegates, but instead we use it as a way to get them to think in a more expansive way about what it's like to engage in this experience um, and what it is like in the real world for legislators to have to do the kinds of things that our students are learning to do. Um, so, again, we could take responsibility so many ways, and I, and 
you know, we address responsibility so often with students, telling them not to bring a sandwich onto the floor, or why did you wander away from where you were supposed to be? I mean, I talk about responsibility all day long. But I, I think making responsibility a problem for democracy and one that we can do something to address, but we have to think about how hard it is to do that. I think that would be a really um, good, positive conversation to have, especially with students who are just a little more engaged or maybe have a little experience in youth and government that might deepen their experience. And so that's those are my thoughts on responsibility uh, this week. Awesome. Thank you. You came in under five minutes in case you were wondering. I'm, I, I have yet to to blow past that, although one, one week I'm going to do that just so that can be the thing I'm wrong about that week. But yeah, I, I'm hey. doing my best. Uh, you know, I'd never really thought about the concept of like legislators being responsible to their constituents and mm-hmm. that we don't hold the delegates to that. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, like they're not elected to these seats. So it's, it is interesting to think about like making responsible policy and like, what does that really mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Huh. Although I, I do think that with our student leaders, they get a little bit of that, right? I've used that in conversation with elected leaders before to remind them, hey, the people who voted for you trusted you to do this in a certain way, right? Or trusted you to protect mm. and and serve them in a certain way. So I've I've used it I've used that idea of responsibility to your voters a little bit with our leaders. But truthfully, like this idea of having right. a good delegation conversation, that's eh, one that I want to do a lot more with myself. Cool. Well thank you. Yeah. Um we'll move on to our next order of uh new business which is uh a spotlight Ooh. on pages that's so, fun this is um, new what's a spotlight Anna? it is new so i don't really know what it is but i think what we'll do is we'll <laughs> talk a bit about the role of page the reason we're doing it is uh that i think the importance of the role of page can be easily overlooked um it's typically filled by new or young delegates. And so uh, there's not really, and there's not really a clear path of preparation for the role Mm -hmm. during delegation time leading up to session. Mm -hmm. Um, So I guess what we thought is that it would be good to delve into this role a bit um, because pages do have a huge amount of responsibility in our program and are vital to it running smoothly. Mm -hmm. Um, So um, I think the other thing about it is that as with basically every role in our program, participants do get out of it what they put into it. Um, and so for paging, they can just kind of relax and deliver the bare minimum, or they can be like running all over the place, getting tons done, and it just depends on their attitude. And so I think understanding the role a little bit better might help people make the right choice to do it and be prepared for it. Um, so in the advisor handbook, Uh, The page responsibilities are listed as work in various program areas, handling page notes and other communication, and check in with the page table at the beginning of each session. And that's what it says in there about that. Um, It it also says in that page responsibilities description that, like it mentions the possibility of a special assignment to the Secretary of State's office or the governor's office. Mm but it doesn't go into great detail about what that involves. Um, in the area of the handbook that covers our position allocation for a delegation, where all of the basic allotted positions are kind of listed out, it says, and this is a quote, 
While there is no limit on the number of pages a delegation may bring, students are encouraged to challenge themselves to take on one of the roles listed above. And so I think that all of that info and the language that we're using in there combine to unintentionally diminish the value that pages bring to our program. Um, and so, James, I'm hoping you can talk a little bit more about like what the actual specific responsibilities of the pages mm. are at session. Yeah. And why they're so important. Because yes. they are super important. Yeah. Um, I mean, fundamentally, the thing that is powerful about a page and the role of a page is that they hold the only office in our program that basically allows them to go anywhere. Um, anywhere there are youth and government delegates, um, a page performing their official duties is welcome to go. Uh, and so as a result, they can fill a lot of important roles that tie the legislature together. So official document traffic is like an easily visible one. Um, primarily we're here talking here about bills. Um, the official bill copies a physical item um, there are a, a number of good reasons for that that probably we'll dive into someday, but we'll just, just take it for granted here that a person's bill that comes to Olympia actually becomes a physical item, like it's a person, basically. It has to go to the places uh, where it's going to be debated. It has to be carried to committee. It has to be carried to and from the Secretary of State's office and the different chambers it's heard in and the governor's office. Um, all of that has to be done by a person. And so pages with a, a year in which our pages are not um, attentive to their roles is a year where sometimes bills simply get lost. And those of us who've been around for a long time can remember years back when the paging program, I think was a little less professional than it has been lately. When uh, we really did frequently have lost bills and a lot of sort of mayhem resulting from that. So they're really vital for that sort of work. But truthfully, they're vital for all sorts of other things. I've heard people say, oh, well, we don't need pages anymore because people can just text each other. How do you text a kid you met yet? You know, if someone, you know, makes some really wonderful remarks, you're sitting in the gallery listening to debate and a senator makes a really wonderful opening statement or something like that, you can send them a page to, to thank them or encourage them. Um, and I know delegates do that all the time. That's a really cool thing that connects delegates to each other that otherwise they would have a much harder time doing. Um, sending communication back and forth when you realize you need to coordinate with a lobbyist or with a proponent in the other chamber. Um, pages make a lot of good conversations happen. They also make a lot of silly or frivolous conversations happen too. I mean, we can't pretend yeah. that, right, that every note is just vitally important. But I, as both a student and as an advisor, I have seen so many really positive um, interactions happen via page note um, that it's really valuable between delegates and as an advisor, sometimes contacting my delegates and often wanting to give them some encouragement. I don't always have a phone with me. I don't necessarily have the um, authority to send a text message directly to a student, especially if it's not about right. an urgent matter. Um, right. And so the ability to hear a student give a really good opening statement, you know, I'm there to hear a student of mine present a bill and just want to be able to send the note saying, Hey, I was here. I was cheering for you, you know, way to go. Um, that that's really cool too. And again, as a student, I remember getting that kind of encouragement from, from advisors. And as an advisor, it's something that I've tried to do to encourage my delegates. It's, it's cool that pages help make those conversations happen. 
Um, they do have some other minor ceremonial roles. Um, they can assist with flag duties. They often do at the beginning of um, session in the House and Senate chambers in the morning. Um, they have at times been uh, sort of conscripted by the sergeants at arms to help um, manage or distribute things sometimes. I mean, it just sort of depends on how a chamber is running. If a page is assigned to the House or Senate, they might get pulled into that sort of work. Um, but really, they are the sort of connective tissue of the the communication um, network that has to take place for a legislature to function. Um, and as a result, um, I have for years defended the page position. So have you, right? Um, oh, yeah, when, totally. When, I love the pages. When folks have said, well, how much do we need pages? Boy, I think they are such a big part of why our program is the way it is. Well, and I th- I mean, like, there's that thing of we do need pages. We do not need 100 pages. Agreed. Agreed. We need, you know, 25 pages or something. <laughs> but yeah. um, I think it's important for delegations to recognize their importance and understand their role and recognize that uh, the role of a page can be a, a great way to get into the program. Mm-hmm. Um because there's a lot of opportunity there uh, for pages to get to see all the different program areas um, when they come to session and how they work. Um, and it kind of, sometimes it can give them an idea of where they want to go with the program. Um, they maybe don't know yet when they're new and it can give them that insight. Um, they can also interact with uh, student leaders a lot more personally, um, especially on those special assignments that are mentioned. Um, but they can also find time to talk with delegates in the different areas um, to find out what each of the roles does. Um, a page who's good at networking can set themselves up for uh, a really good future, knowing lots of people from all over the state and in all the different program areas. Um, I also think there's a lot of independence um, for a page um, because they move around campus so much. Um, it can build confidence really well. Um, a lot of times I end up asking a page where something's located mm-hmm. because we don't put the same program areas in the same rooms year to year. Mm-hmm. And so like, I don't know where the press room is, but they do. Right. Right. Um, and uh, my last note that I, and then I'll let you tell why you think it's good. Cause I know you do too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a great stepping stone for a lot of leadership roles that aren't necessarily great for teens who are so driven to debate that, um, pages, um, because they see the inner workings of everything, they make fantastic clerks and rostrum officials, yeah. um, secretary of state. Yeah. Um, and there's also, of course, the program, uh, postmaster general role. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of like upward momentum from starting out as a page. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, I think, uh, I think I made some sort of side comments about a lot of what I see as the value in the position. One thing I've tried to do when we talk about elected positions, and I think when we talk about these um, non, non-elected positions, um, I think is this is important too, is to give some thoughts or advice to an advisor who might be thinking about this. Um, who is a good fit for this? Um, your mention of the networking page, that sort of go-getter is a great model. I think another really great model, and I think we've seen it work uh, really well for a lot of folks in the paging program is if you've got a quieter student who really is, um, they're a listener, um, they're an observer. They're this kind of person who really wants to get an understanding of what the deal is before they're going to open their mouth because they're, they're reserved and cautious like that. Um, We've seen some really great youth and government careers start out with a student paging. 
because they just they needed to find that sort of comfort zone. They didn't know what a youth legislature was. Why would they? And uh, and so they came to us not quite sure what it was going to mean to engage in it, giving that student the freedom to move around, see a lot of things, potentially meet some folks. I thought your example of like clerks is just spot on. These are jobs that pages see up close and the right page is going to see it up close and say, well, how do I get to do that next year? Right. And that and that can be a cool opportunity for them to start to work in leadership and to meet you know other students in chamber leadership it can be a really a really neat starting point um i think too often we see it as oh well if a kid doesn't want to talk let's let them be a page um it's 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 not about letting them right like oh yeah good you can be a page and get out of talking i i think to to turn it around and see it as more proactive right to think okay why don't why does this kid not want to talk if they don't want to talk because they don't care that's one thing if they don't want to talk because they're reluctant to talk in environments where they're not quite sure what the deal is, that that person should be a page. That's the person who needs that legislature um, time to sort of get their, get their bearings. All right. Well, I feel as though we have shown the spotlight on that about as much as we ought to. I'm really today. glad. I'm really glad. Pages deserve the spotlight. So I'm glad you put it on. They do. They do. You know what, though? I've never been a page. You know, I mean, both you and I have run messages for people at great need. Um, That's true. So, and I I did train the pages, the postmasters. Yes, you did. For a few years. Yes, you did. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah. I've I've always worked with pages in in other capacities. You know, I've been the house lead and, and talking with the different pages in the house. I've been in the governor's office and talking with the pages assigned to the governors. I mean, uh, and every year. I see pages who really impress me and I try to make sure to tell them and to tell their advisors and tell the page advisor, like how much we appreciate them. But yeah, I think if you look around youth ledge and see like who here is really impressing me every year, you're going to see some pages who are some of the best, most engaged students there. And so I, I think it's a, it's a good thing to remember that it's not a place we just stick somebody. It's a place where someone can really shine. Yeah. Well, we'll move on. Yeah. To, um, Mm. Anna's dorky fun. Oh, the most important part of the show. What are we doing this week? Uh, I I don't know about that. Uh, <laughs> this is how I contribute, though. I enjoy um, it. I have a great time. What's it going to be this week? Not quite as highbrow as deep diving. Oh, but whatever. whatever. I don't know how many people are still aware I do this weird thing that I do. Uh-huh. Um, so for fun, I thought I'd share a, a parody song that my friend and I prepared at session back in 2016, which was, I believe, the last time we actually completed a song and posted a video for session. Mm. Uh, I do have a few others in various stages of completion, um, but I'm, I'm looking for a, a song-altering buddy to, to assist me. So this is a direct um, appeal to the podcasting audience. Sure. Right? Sure. Are there... Those of you out there who have the ability to sing on key and would like to be dorky with me, (laughs) shoot me an email. This is a wonderful Um, opportunity. (laughs) So the idea to cover this particular song came from a delegate um, and it ended up being super easy to do. So we did this like long intro with like a glimpse into our creative process. Um, And that intro may not be super entertaining for everyone as it goes pretty long. Um, so listeners, uh, if you would like to see the music video, it's on YouTube and we can post a link on our site that's queued up to the start of the song, which is about three minutes and 30 seconds in. The song is called, I need a page. 
and it's a cover of the Muppets Menomina song. James, I've sent you a link so yes. to click so we can listen to it together. And for those of you listening to this podcast, you should be aware that the sound quality of the recording isn't great. And the charm of this music video is very heavily weighted towards the cinematography. So please imagine a bunch of puppets serving as pages around the Capitol building, interspersed with delegates and advisors saying, I need a page. 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 That was fun. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Oh man, I love that one. <laughs> the creative the creative talent it takes to come up with these things and make them, this is beyond my ability, but the ability to appreciate them, I am all on board. I think there should be one every year. Fun fact about this one. Yeah. Um, the star of the, the show, the puppet chicken, yes. was not acquired until we were actually at session. Oh, really? Oh, so that was late. a gift shop in the basement of the Capitol Purchase. <laughs> it was just kind of random that... So we had filmed all of the video in advance. We filmed bits in my house from the intro. Mm -hmm. And then we drove to Olympia prior to session oh for goodness. the sole purpose of filming the stuff with the puppets in the Capitol building. Oh, my goodness. Um, and we filmed some bits in the hotel room, I think, at leadership training. But all we had to do at session was get bits of people saying, I need a page, and then splice them in. But we didn't really have an idea of how we were going to film that. <laughs> and it just so happened that the gift shop in the basement had this like glorious chicken puppet. <laughs> and I was having a bad day because of hotel room assignments and I was very sad. And so my songwriting buddy surprised me with the chicken puppet. <laughs> that you can slide your hand into the wings. <laughs> and so, yeah. <laughs> It then it was like this like glorious moment where we realized what we could do with it, oh. and that's how we decided what to do for all of the little snippets where people are saying, "I need a page." This is a, this was a genius casting decision. That chicken is a young Harrison Ford. I'm just I'm mesmerized. <laughs> that that hand when it grabs things. Oh man. Yes, I know. <sighs> <laughs> all right. Well, so if you're listening to this and you haven't paused and gone to find it on YouTube and watched it. You should totally watch it. Uh, I think we'll throw a link up on our site. Oh, you have um, to. You have that'll to. take you to it. Yes. Um, but yeah, so that was my dorky fun for the day. <sighs> very dorky and very fun. So thank you. That was, thank you. That was aces thank on both, both fronts. Um, so we'll move on to announcements and the general good of the order. Um, since I believe that's everything we've planned for the episode. Correct. Um, next time on Yag and Recreation, we'll be wrapping up our focus on the core values with an episode about caring. Mm. That'll be good. What will come in the weeks after that, I I do not know if we know that yet. Oh, we're full of ideas. So uh, listeners out there, if you have suggestions for things to cover or questions you'd like to ask us, um, all of that communication can be sent to our email, yagandrecreation at gmail.com. Do you have any other announcements to make, James? You know, uh, 
I don't think that I do, other than that I, I may have forgotten to be wrong about something. But I'll listen to it, and if I if I screwed it up again, I'll I'll get to it in old business next week. I'm just grateful we have listeners. Okay, so Thank you, you were wrong about your ability to be wrong. I'm in doubt, and that's close enough. <laughs> All right, well, uh, since you have no other announcements, I'll entertain a motion to adjourn this podcast. Oh, so moved. All right, I have a motion. Uh, is there a second? Second. Fantastic. All those in favor of adjourning this podcast, please say aye. Aye. <laughs> All opposed? No one? Anyone? All right, then. The motion passes. And we'll adjourn <laughs> until you hear from us again. Uh. Thank you for listening to this episode of Yag and Recreation, an Up Till Two Productions podcast. Yag and Recreation is co-written and co-hosted by my sister, Anna Hazen, and by me, James Rosenswag, and edited solely by the multi-talented Anna Hazen. Thanks also go to Tanum Fotheringill, our program and coolness consultant, to Jeff Hazen for composing and recording our introductory music and providing on-call technical support, and to Ben and Sam Hazen for additional incidental music and fully artist work. We'll see you next week. And that's all for today.